The Outspoken Bible. Conversations about the Word. A podcast from Scottish Bible Society. Hello and welcome to Season 5, Episode 7 of The Outspoken Bible. We're back after an extended break over Easter. I'm Fiona Stewart. I'm here as usual with Neil Glover. Hello, Neil. Hello. I've just been doing some gurgling to get my voice sorted out. Yeah, you're very loud in my ears. I don't know if oh, that's... Sorry. Uh... No, is no, that a thing you just... do? Do you do voice warm-ups? Oh, yes. Yes, I don't do as many as I should do. I, I feel in a constant state of um, guilt about my lack of warm-up. Oh, do you? Do you know who loves what? your voice? Who's that? Everybody that listened to the Easter <laughs> podcasts. Oh, how lovely. How was, lovely. No, they were. Oh, she is such a good reader. Well, that's good, isn't it? That's good. Yeah. I'm glad. That's my primary five self would have been very pleased to hear that. It's <laughs> one of the things I used to take great pride in. Anyway, nice to see you, Neil. And uh, delighted I am to see, or I'm delighted to see, in fact, that back with us again is Jen Robertson. Welcome back, Jen. It's so good to be here. Good to see you. Good I'm to recording in a different room, though. Well, I had noticed that. I actually was going to comment on your shelves. You've got nice shelves behind you. Well, this is my daughter. It was my daughter Fiona's room. So I'd previously been... Uh, this doesn't really matter to any listeners because they've never seen my rooms. But anyway, I was in Andrew's room because he was away and now he's back. But now Fiona's moved out. So I'm in Fiona's room. Excellent. Well, she's got very nice shelves. Or you've got very nice shelves. Anyway. Well, the way hers are mine now. I'm a bit envious of them. That's very good. That's very good. <laughs> There's now, an interesting frame yes. you've got. I'm intrigued by your frame. You've got a framed thing. It's a quote from the Velveteen Rabbit. Oh, oh. lovely. About the, how you don't become real until your ears are falling off and your furs, your stuffing's coming out. Oh, how lovely. It's quite pertinent. Yeah, no. <laughs> to change, I mean, to change the mood slightly, I'd just like to point out the fact I've got some new disco-style lighting in my booth, but you may be not aware of that because I've got my other bright light on. But anyway, you remind me of that. Do you know? Sorry, this is way off tangent. You know, in Ant and Deck, where they have somebody who, and the Friday night, Saturday night takeaway, they have someone in a booth who does the continuity announcing. I don't know if you know that. They I normally mean, have a. I don't. I don't really watch Saturday night TV, Neil. <laughs> Too lowbrow for you. <laughs> That's um, when you watch when he's preparing his sermon. <laughs> oh, it has to be well prepared by then. And can I just say, yes. Jen, as well, uh, I'm happy is not a sufficient word to say how good it is to see you. Well, I hope the conversation lives up to the expectation. There's a shalom, I think. It's a sense of shalom, a rightness nice. that we're back together. Not shalom. that we didn't love speaking to Elaine. We did love speaking to Elaine, but there's a certain... What? She did say to me yesterday that she was glad I was back as well, so I think we're okay. <laughs> She's feeling under pressure. <laughs> anyway, last term we enjoyed the meanderings through the stories of Elijah and Elisha. And of course, in the lead up to Easter, Neil, as you've mentioned already, we had those five meditations on the last three chapters of Luke's Gospel. And if you haven't listened to them, I would recommend going back to do that. Not, not so you can listen to me reading, but just they're, they were rewarding, I think, for us to create, Neil, I would say, speaking on behalf of both Exhausting. of us. Exhausting. I remember we recorded them one after the other. Yeah, we did. I was exhausted. Hosted by the end yeah, of it. Yeah, but, yeah. But hopefully in a good way. Well, yeah, and I think I found the process quite quite um, helpful and challenging. So oh, I, and yeah, I think the, it was so yeah, moving, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was. And the end product, I think, kind of reflects that. It's a slightly more meditative approach than our usual style. So if you haven't caught up with those, then do check those out. Um, today we're launching into the, a new book. We're going to be in the Acts of the Apostles, and that's going to take us right through till autumn. Uh, but before we get started, guess what? I actually have some correspondence. How much is it? Does it qualify as a boat? I think it's about maybe a slew. 
<laughs> it probably reflects the fact that we've not been around for a wee while, actually. So, regular correspondent Elizabeth, hello to uh-huh. you. She's been in touch to say, well done on the Elijah Alicia series. She said that her mind had gone to the same place as yours, Neil, with regards to the number of jars required for the oil mm. and the number of times the bowl was hit on the floor. I couldn't remember what that was. You can't? I, met, I put it in italics in my script and I meant to go look it up before this morning and I forgot. It was the one where, um, he, the, I think it was the king, wasn't it? He had to tap his bow on the floor. And because he stopped tapping, they said, oh, you'll only get a partial victory oh, now. Oh, yes, that's right. That's right. Well, she was she was very much with you on that. She was also complimentary about my ability to keep things on track. That's encouraging, Elizabeth. Thank you. I will try and do my best today with that. Uh, Every conversation also, needs a Fiona Stewart going with To it. keep it on track. That's very true. Well, we also have a listener, uh, sorry, an email from a listener, Heather Davis. So this is a first-time correspondent. Oh, and Heather right. writes, I stumbled upon the Outspoken Bible whilst on holiday on Aaron in 2020 when it was the Ruth series. I'm a regular listener and I really appreciate the podcast. I just want to say how much I've enjoyed the Elijah series and what an encouragement it has been to me. I live in Kendall, south of the border, she says. Uh, I've lost my place. And it's been, but it's been great. So it's been great to hear Elaine's voice as it has been many years since we used to listen to her on the stage at the Keswick Convention. And I would love half an hour in the car with her, but I can't figure out the link. That's what uh, she says there. Uh, and Heather goes on, I think the format of the podcast and the very open-ended discussions you have are great. You somehow manage to make me feel part of them as I chat along and make comments throughout. That's Hello, good, Heather. isn't it? Heather, I like the idea of her making comments. Yeah, that's that's what I think is the aim of a good podcast, isn't it? That it, it makes you feel part of the conversation. So thanks for being in touch, Heather. Good to hear from you. Now, she mentioned Glover's Others there, and we have had a couple of attempts at solving it. Uh-huh. They're both from the same source. So oh, yeah. John and Christine Hodge. Hello, John and Christine. Hello. They've been doing some thinking about the connections. So the first email I got from John said, we sat down last night to try and work out the link. It may have been the effect of being at one of Neil's Holy Week services. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, there you go. Sorry, I was just leaving a pause for you to say something there, but no, okay. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And he goes on, is the answer simply the order they appear in the Bible? So Moses looks after Jethro's sheep before Aaron comes on the scene. Doesn't seem to be a deep enough answer, so I'm sure Elaine will not have to put up with us in her car. So I emailed back saying that they were they were on the right lines. Would that be a fair response? That response is not incorrect. Nice, re- nice reply. So, and I also said it probably needed one more layer of complexity. Are you ready for this? Uh-huh. I'll read it at speed because it's quite long. Okay, here's what is John this said. It's very complicated. It's very complicated. John says, I've been thinking this over. I forgot about Joshua, with, which rather negates my original theory. I think he appears in the scene before Balaam. I have been thinking about the nature of the response to God. So Bilhah was purely passive and just did what her mistress told her to do. Jethro was more proactive and a priest of Midian. His response was to recognise Moses and also God's working in the people of Israel, despite his background. However, I'm not sure that he acknowledged God. He went on his way back to his own country. Aaron was an Israelite and was called by God to a particular task and recognised this, but still messed it up. Balaam saw what God was doing, but was still open to the highest bidder, but in the end did what God called him to do. However, he did not join God's people Joshua was a loyal follower and achieved a lot in leading the people into the promised land. Rahab had the ability to see what God was doing, and even if it was meaning the destruction of her people, knew that God was at work. That required a greater response than that of Joshua, who was leading his own people. That's my last attempt, he says. I don't know that it is. Thanks for promoting thought. Part of me just is dying to say, yes, that's it. Because <laughs> it's beautiful. It's so good. I wish I was as clever as that. <laughs> 
I know. I don't think you should give up though, John and Christine, because it is it's more complex than your first answer, but it's definitely it's it's probably simpler than the second. Uh, Neil, have you do you want to offer any clues to help listeners? No, I don't I mean with the, that complexity the, and simplicity. The thing about order is not incorrect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's helpful. That's a good clue, I think. Okay, that's good. Well, I think with that in mind, actually, we ought to shift things up and um, move I, this I time. Just, yeah, yeah, I just feel that I cannot match the ingenuity of John's second answer there. It's very good. He's a lawyer. I know. He's, he, he's, a, he's a thinker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although, can I just say, maybe, Christine, maybe it was you who came up with that. We're assuming it was John just because he was the, the scribe in the situation. Yeah, that's true. It was mm-hmm. Christine. Mm-hmm. How, yep. Yeah, we shouldn't jump to those conclusions that's yeah. true anyway what we're going to do is we are going to go straight into glover's others uh, at the start of the episode this time so to recap for uh people who've lost track with what we're doing here we're hearing the story of uh what you've described as b-list characters neil so they're not mm-hmm. leading males leading men and leading ladies but they are nonetheless they've got something to teach us and so far we've had bilha jethro aaron balaam Joshua and Rahab, and there is still that prize on offer for anyone who can really hone down. A drive into, in Aline's car. It's a drive with Elaine Duncan. And do you know what? I'm going to co- throw in a copy of Love, Death and Resurrection, which is the New uh, New Testament that's available um, through Community You're going Bible to experience. throw in a copy of the New Testament? Yeah, yeah. I don't even care. <laughs> Casually. If necessary, I'll send my copy. <laughs> if people at Bible House are too tight to send one out, a winner. <laughs> The people in the Bible Society are too tight to make a Bible a prize in a competition about a Bible. Is that not the whole point? You would like to think so, wouldn't you? You would like to think so. Anyway, if you would like to take on John and Christine and see if you can guess the guess the solution, you can get in touch by emailing. Oh, it's a competition now between John and Christine and the rest. As if anybody else would like to kind of come in on the competition. Yeah, yeah. John and Christine, I I think we would like to. I think you can get this. I think we should still send Elaine down to Kendall. Heather anyway, I'm trying to stick with what Elizabeth said, which was that I managed to keep things on track. Mm. And I would like to say that if you want to get in touch, it's of course outspoken at scottishbiblesociety.org. Neil, it's time for. Who on earth are they? Where do they fit in? And what's their story? Glover's Others. B-list characters you really don't want to miss. What's your Glover's Others today? It's Jephthah's daughter. It's even significant that she doesn't have her name given to us. It's a tragic story. Jephthah is a big warrior. He has a daughter and he has persuaded the Israelites to fight for him. But before he goes out to fight... He says, God, if you give me victory, then I'll sacrifice the first thing that comes out to me when I return back. So he goes out, has the victory. And then when he comes back, out comes to him his his daughter. And he's devastated. He almost gets angry at her. Oh, my daughter, you've given me great woe. And he explains to her the nature of the promise. And she says, that's okay, but give me um, some months, two months to go away with my friends in the mountains and bewail my virginity. So she does. She goes away for two months and she laments on the mountains and then she comes back and Jetha sacrifices her. And we're told that to this day, the people of Israel uh, remember the sac- the women, the girls of Israel remember Jetha's daughter. Mm-hmm. I think it's a story about stupid promises. 
I love to imagine a version of the story where Jephthah's daughter comes back and says, um, Dad, that's that's really, really silly. Um, or even another version of the story where um, the yeah, where God provides a ram like Isaac. Yeah. I, I want different versions, but I'm glad that the Bible tells that story because it's so truthful to many people's experience. And it's almost appropriate that she doesn't have a name because she stands alongside the story of so many others who are not named. Jen, when we were chatting in advance about what Neil was going to talk about, you you wanted to talk about Rachel Held Evans' book. Rachel Held Evans has a book called um, A Year of Biblical Womanhood, where she takes, she took... um, went through the Bible and took the, the instructions to women literally as, as <laughs> took them literally and did them. So when she had her period, she put a tent outside and slept outside and things. And, and in some ways, when you hear that description of it, you, you can think it's a bit um, trivial. It's having a, having a jibe at the Bible or something. But what is lovely about the book is that each story she looks at, there is something that God teaches her through it. And the story of Jethro's daughter, she become, she takes part with a group of women, that what Neil mentioned there, the remembering till today of what happened to Jethro's daughter. And I think, it's been a while since I read the book, but I think other women in the biblical story who have been abused and killed <laughs> within the, the context of the story. So she joined this group of women and she mourned with them for Jethro's daughter and just... The book's worth reading just to hear the impact that had on her and the significance of getting together with other people to remember the really difficult bits of the Bible Mm. and to lament and mourn for them. Mm. So if you're interested in the book, don't go into it. I think it's important to go into it thinking "Mm, she's sort of being critical of the Bible. Um, I think it's good to go into it and explore it and, and have some fun with the Bible, but also to to read the bits where she has profound encounters with God because of what she's doing for this year that's contained think, in the yeah, book. Yeah, th- we'll put a note to it in the sh- a link to yeah. it in the show notes, Jen, and I think that's a really helpful description of that book because I, I, I'll be honest, I was slightly put off by the cover. Yes. Because the cover makes it look like it's all a bit of a bit of a laugh because yeah. she's sitting on top of a roof with her head covered. But actually, you know, there, there's, there's, like you've said, there's loads of yeah. profundity in it yes. to be discovered. Yeah. When you mentioned Rachel Held Evans, like I always get quite angry because I just go, "Why did she die?" Mm. You know, it's just such a loss. And I know lots of, you know, even Jephthah's daughter that we're talking about here. That's that's not a story that doesn't not happen. But I think sometimes when you've built a relationship with an author, and then for them to be taken so young, and with such a young family, just, it seems particularly cruel. Right. Well, thank you, Neil, for your Glover's Other competition still open. What is the connection and the sequence? I'm dying for someone to like email in from France and Elaine has to go there and offer well, the lift. I mean, I don't think Elaine would be averse to that. She's not against a bit of travelling, is she? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. To business. Uh, we are starting our series on Acts um, in chapter one, Acts chapter one. There is a link to the show notes to Bible Gateway, of course. Neil, you'll know that that's there. And uh, if you want to go and look that up, you can do that. Or, of course, you could just get your Bible and uh, look in Acts. Look, 
L-O-O-K in Acts for that. It would be probably useful to pause the podcast at this point to do that if it's been a wee while since you've read Acts chapter 1. I thought we could start just by having a bit of a general conversation as we approach a new book, setting the scene a little bit. And I mentioned before Love, Death and Resurrection. That's a new edition from Scottish Bible Society. It's been designed for use in community Bible experience, which is a communal individual Bible reading course. Would that, would that be a good description, Jen? Yeah, you, re- yeah. you read bits of the Bible and you get together and talk about it. Yes, yep. communal individual Bible reading course. And you can find out more about that actually on the, the Scottish Bible Society website. So that's uh, www.scottishbiblesociety.org forward slash shop forward slash community Bible experience. But if you just kind of Google in the search bit, you can find... Um, a copy of this New Testament and uh, also various resources you can use with that. The thing I find fascinating about Love, Death and Resurrection is it's it's the New Testament, but it's laid out differently to usual. So the four Gospels are spread through the course of the book and the the, the other writings that group with each of those Gospels um, sit alongside them. So it's not in the, the order that we would normally find the New Testament. And I think that's actually a, a really refreshing way to approach scripture, isn't it? So it begins, the, the the book itself begins with Luke's gospel and then moves straight to Acts. And I think it describes it as Luke Acts, doesn't it? Yes. Mm. Um, puts the two together. So it really encourages us to think about the book of Acts as a continuation of the account that Luke sets out to give in his gospel. So I suppose the first question uh, is really to ask, what should we be looking for as we come into this midpoint, I suppose, of the story that Luke is telling? What what should we be paying attention to? I think what struck me was that um, the disciples have been in one place with Jesus, doing Jesus' things, all that he taught and did, and he's alive again and he's he's back, but it feels that they haven't really grasped that everything's going to change and it's mm-hmm. not going to be the way it was. And that there's something even better coming in the form of the Holy Spirit. So I think it's as we move into Acts that, that that's the thing to be. I have never really thought about being ready for that before. Mm. That that this is this is different. Everything is going to change, and so and that's quite helpful because as you move through the story, it, it makes sense as why some of the disciples struggle so much with what's happening because it's not what it was. And um, I'm very aware of that in my life just now that you know life life changes is is constantly moving and and there is we can hold on to what it was and think that's the thing that gives us security but actually what gives us security is Je- Jesus doesn't change mm. you know the way the way he's going to be known by the disciples is going to change and it's actually going to be so much better because everybody can have the Holy Spirit um, with them all the time. Uh, but it's it's hard to change. It's a difficult process. But it, mm-hmm. ho- hopefully, the response is you, we throw ourselves back onto God, back onto mm-hmm. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's helpful. That, that's helpful. Can we talk a bit about Luke? I was having a conversation yesterday with our good friend Adrian Armstrong, mm-hmm. um, and I was saying that I always in, I realised actually yesterday that in my head when I think of Luke, I think, oh, Luke the doctor. And I think, I, you know, it probably comes from when I was about eight or something. And mm-hmm. so therefore, my idea of Luke is that he's like a, you know, he's doing a shift in the NHS and then he's coming home to write a little <laughs> bit. He's carrying his little, you know, doctor's bag around with him. What what, what do we actually know about Luke? Um, he's mentioned in, in one of Paul's epistles. It's only, he's called the beloved physician. I, I um Yeah, I didn't check this in advance. Is it Second Timothy he's mentioned? Um, um, the... 
but he's not mentioned terribly often about that. The, there are a couple of things. So firstly, there's a tremendous attention to, to telling the story. And there's, there are various historical details in the story that we'll get to later on to do with various boundaries of regions and what various uh, governing authorities were called. They're spectacularly accurate. Um, there are other bits, we'll come to this later on, where the, the Luke does seem to shift events around a little bit to fit a theme, um, particularly the, the visits of Paul to Jerusalem and, and squaring those with Galatians. But he's, he's very keen to show the, the dynamic of the gospel that, that from this small group that Jesus leaves, and I, I'm so grateful to him for, for having done this. He's the only person who does this, who writes this story of, of the going out, this kind of centrifugal force. Uh, Jen's just put Colossians 4, the beloved Thank physician. Thank you. Yes, I was looking that up as well. He um, is mentioned in Second Timothy, though. Oh, so he's mentioned twice, is he? He's mentioned yeah. as being still, he's, one, he's the only one left with Paul at that point. Um, all right, so we don't know for sure it was him that wrote this, but but it it definitely was. I We have these later on, these what the famous we passages, where um, the companion or the writer suddenly is with Paul. And... I find those utterly compelling, those those passages. I can't think, some, some scholars have debated whether they were a literary construction, but I personally can't see anything in it other than the fact that the person was actually there. There's some of the tension we have with Acts as well. Um, other than some of the accounts of the Chinese church, I can't think of any church I've been part of where it has this dynamism. You always feel this kind of inferiority to Acts, I think, mm-hmm. that they seem to have a dynamism to it. There's a hardness in Acts as well, the, which is a bit tough at times. So later in this chapter, there's a kind of, there's not a lot of sympathy for Judas. Uh, later on, we'll have Ananias and Sapphira and their story. That's mm-hmm. a bit tough. Also, the the theology of Paul in the speeches mm-hmm. in Acts, I should say that Acts really breaks down into two. First of all, it becomes the story of Peter and mm-hmm. the Jerusalem church, and then it morphs into the story of Paul. Um the theology of Paul is very similar to the theology you get in First Thessalonians, but some of the, the more developed theology of Paul, for example, to do with justification, um, doesn't really appear in the speeches in Acts. So that's quite interesting. And also, perhaps there's a, there's a more direct quality than perhaps in some of the stories you get in Luke's first volume, Luke chapter one, where scholars will say that... Um, Luke in Luke chapter one is very much influenced by Jesus as he should be. Whereas I think there's a sense that Luke's own guiding ethos perhaps has more of a consistent shape in, in the act story. Mm, very helpful. Thank you. I, I suppose it's what we're looking at for things like s- salvation mm-hmm. to the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's been a thread from, from the gospel through, hasn't it? That this is a gospel for everyone. Yes. This is good news for everyone rather. Um, Greeks, mention yeah. of Greeks is something you would find in Luke, isn't it? Um, Theophilus was he a real person? The loved friend. The loved friend. Is that lover what it of, means? Lover of God. Lover of God. So it, it it could be for all of us, couldn't it? We could mm-hmm. all be that. Uh, whoever's reading it could be lover of God. Which is a nice. It's a nice construct. That I like mm-hmm. that. Do you yeah. do you like him to be a a a, a kind of what's the word a, an archetypal reader? Like the dear lady in. Third First John. John. Third John. Third or John, second as well. Kyria. Yeah. Kyria is the dear lady. Um, I don't know. I do, I just because that appeals to my, my kind of inner 
the dear the Theo, that's who it makes me think of. Yes, of course. That's right. I, I knew a guy, I know a guy called Theophilus, and he didn't like the name very much, so he, he's called Thanny. There you go. Good fact. Right, um, let's plunge into... <laughs> Sorry, that was that was a quite a harsh segue, wasn't it? But <laughs> His second name is, is Brush. He's I knew this was going to happen. Oh, I knew this was going to happen. We're going to go off on another tangent. Let's, let's jump into chapter one, shall we? Yeah. With the, the original Theophilus. Um, what what have we got going on here in terms of well let's 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 talk about the initial um the disciples together so jen you've you've already begun to kind of allude to some of this stuff that the disciples they don't really know what's going to happen next do they no they don't <laughs> do you want to say more about that <laughs> Was that was that you being deliberate? Were you saying no? no I was actually I was actually looking back in my, in my light. It's not light in resurrection, Fiona. It's, it's love and resurrection. You were very good at getting that right. I got it I wrong. Know, I love know. resurrection and death. No love, death, love and resurrection. death, resurrection. I was just I was just checking it out. No, they seem. I'm sure they. I mean, they must be absolutely ecstatic, even though they're confused. Because here's Jesus, and he's eating with them. You know, that's mm. mentioned again right at the start of the chapter, and they're all together, and you know all these terrible things that happened. Um, maybe they've all they've, that's all gone, and Jesus is back, and mm-hmm. it's all going to be the way it was. I mean, I, I can really imagine being part of that and feeling that way. But Jesus is quite clear, you know, that there's something different coming. Um, you're going to receive power, but I, you must be like, what, what are you talking about, Jesus? Mm. Yes, you know. And then he's taken away, so it's like it's like it's like being slapped in the face again, isn't it? It's like like a really, second Good Friday. Yeah, what what are you doing? You know, you, yeah. You've gone again, and this this thing you've promised it's not going to come quick, is it? It's uh, going to yeah. be weeks. And there is this sense that they they still don't really understand what the kingdom's going to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're still hoping. They're still clinging to this. It feels like, Lord, are you going to bring the kingdom? It feels like they're still clinging to that idea that the Emmaus disciples had, didn't they? That there's yes. going to be some kind of political revolution. That the kind of Joseph Maccabeus thing. And it's a for. restoration. So, so yeah. in the, certainly in the NIV, the word the, in verse six, are you yeah. going to restore the kingdom? So it's not, are you going to bring a new kingdom? It's, are you going to, it's harking back still, isn't it? Who loves ascension? Nobody loves ascension, do they? You don't go, <laughs> yes, he's gone. No. I mean, people I mean, on Jesus, Ascension Island. I know, I was checking that. That's quite a, a liturgically literate book of sailors, isn't it? Group of sailors. Oh, it's Ascension Day. We'll call it Ascension, <laughs> Ascension Island. Island. Yeah. But did Ascension Day not used to be a more celebrated thing? Yeah, yeah, it did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but why? Oh, what do you I mean? I, he's gone. You know, everybody know, would like yeah. him back. And I was thinking about those angels. You know, the angels said, um, "What are you looking he's for? going to come back in the same way yeah. that he's gone. I mean, if, you'd, if I'd been one of the disciples, you'd just be wandering out around <laughs> looking up at the sky all the time. Like, yeah. Did, did, you going to come back today? You give up after a fortnight, wouldn't you? Uh, but that, and I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm taking it off on a side trip, but that, that is interesting, isn't it? Because I wonder if the further we get from the event, the the less imminently we expect. Yeah. Jesus and, and, and what does that mean for us now? Uh huh. Uh huh. Like, is Jesus I, really going to come out of a cloud in Jerusalem when he returns? Is that? Yeah. You, how do we understand that now? The same Jesus that you've seen going away is going to come back in the same way. But I find that quite comforting, Jen. Just that the same Jesus. Yeah. I find that when I go into the book of Revelation, for example, and it's this oh extraordinary account of something that could be quite terrifying. I think it's I think we've maybe talked about this before, that, that holding on to it, it's the same Jesus. Yeah. Is mm. actually quite helpful. So 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 whenever we are speculating, I, I don't know that I speculate maybe 
as much as I should. I don't know, but the return of Jesus. But yeah, it helps me to know it's the same Jesus. Yeah, and yeah. and we don't. Yeah, we don't talk about it. I mean, when I was a teenager in the eighties, it was talked about far too much. I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and, and there was the some bad theology. Man. There was yeah. some really bad theology. Yeah. I don't so how, how, <laughs> how do we understand what? Jesus coming back will be like. I mean, he's just going to turn up in Jerusalem because that's where he went. He's going to come out of a cloud. It's going to be bigger than that. I said it's going to be. What yeah. what what is meant by it? What's going? Yes. You you yeah. you. I th- I don't think it, it's interesting. We've talked about the same Jesus the same way, and I think Fiona, you were saying you quite like the fact that it's the same Jesus part. But Jen, you're also saying, ah, oh, but the same way part. What's that? You know, uh-huh. have you seen uh-huh. those stained glass windows with the two feet? At the top, have you heard it? You know, no. seen these? The, no. You get stained glass windows of the Ascension. You can look uh-huh. them up on Google, um, and all the disciples are looking up like that. And at the top of the of the stained glass window, there's just two feet <laughs> dangling as yeah. Jesus moves up. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, it's it's almost bizarre. But but I think what what's really happening, it's not Jesus goes up and up and up and up. Um, you know, keeps going past Jupiter and 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 heading out towards the in the, the manner of a song. <laughs> <laughs> flying him to the moon <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's not like that. he moves into another dimension and what yeah. i take is that jesus moves into the expansive dimensions of god and one day will return again into this present dimension i mean i think that's how i read it yeah. well yeah I, and I, yeah. I would like to push back on you saying nobody likes ascension i like ascension Do you? yeah why? Yes, because I think if Jesus had, this is a kind of really logical thought here, if Jesus had stuck around uh, Israel and the Middle East with that group of people, he, he would have been earthbound. Yes. Yeah. And so, so, so I like Ascension because it, it, it enables the release of the Spirit, doesn't it? Uh-huh. It, pre, it pre, prefigures the release of the Spirit in order that the gospel would come to the world and purely selfishly. Not purely selfishly, but partly selfishly. That means I get to hear the gospel. So I get on a logical level why I can like that. You know, it's like Jesus says in John's gospel, it's good that I can go away so that the spirit can come. But there's an emotional part of me that would crave the safety of just having him about. I get that. Yeah, You could go and have a meeting with him. Yeah. And talk to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or send him a message. But mm-hmm. but it, but I agree with you that, that this points to the fact that... There are things, there are losses I don't like, which are for our good. Yeah. And this is one of them. Because, as you say, if they don't undergo that loss, which they don't seem too upset about. I mean, they're they're not mourning like they were in, in Good Friday. No. They seem to have come to terms with it. Um, as you say, it moves to an expansive form of Christianity where, in the words of John's Gospel, the disciples suddenly do greater things even than Jesus yes. himself had done. yes. But it's one of these things we have to talk about in the way you've just described, Neil, about Jesus going to another dimension, Jesus going into heaven or whatever that is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's because we can't, like every single child's activity for ascension involves firing a paper Jesus up into the sky. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not it's not really going to help us understand uh-huh. because then you you know that there's stars and up in, up in space and what space is and isn't. We've got to talk about this is Jesus going back to somewhere else that we don't know how to get there yet. And one mm. day those two dimensions of heaven and earth are going to be back together. And also the Holy Spirit's going to come. So God is going to be in the physical place that we are just now. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually in our dear Theo resources that go along with the book 
of looking acts that we, we you can get on our website. The resources that go with that for the ascension bit of it, they explore that with older children and teenagers. So I think, yeah, we need we need to not just talk about Jesus going into the sky. That's that's a really helpful thread of conversation, I think, isn't it? Because it's it's sort of saying that our language needs to catch up with our cultural understanding yeah. of our yeah. physical reality. Mm. Is it? Is that right? Is that what I'm saying? I think so. I think so. Our spiritual yeah. language needs to needs to develop. Or are you saying that the the language that we read of here, if it's taken in a purely literal way, is not particularly helpful. But if it's taken a bit more poetically, then it then it kind of fires up yeah. our own imaginations. I, th- I think I'm saying that, but I think what I'm also trying to get at is that that some of our understanding, I, th- I feel similarly about heaven and hell, some of our understanding of those concepts are actually not rooted in in scripture. They're rooted in a medieval worldview and understanding of the, of the cosmos. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I feel it's kind of similar to that, isn't it? That in a world where we have Doctor Who and we have Philip Pullman and we have, you know, we, we have literature and and um media that helps us understand dimension mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. have c.s lewis let's yeah. you know he was he was really big on that i i think i think we need to work hard at, at helping people understand what's what's being understood here yeah what's yeah. happening mm-hmm. what's happening yeah. yeah maybe one one of the things that i find really interesting is in coming to that understanding, which comes through a loss, you do see a new expansiveness in the apostle. Yes. So it's not just metaphysical speculation goes oh, and that interesting. There's more dimensions. I think there's something about that that equips us for ministry, that that forces us to become more grown up, in a sense. Because you suddenly we, you know, you can't imagine in the gospels, Jesus comes around a corner having been at the well and he discovers the apostles all praying together. You, that just doesn't happen in the in the gospels but here suddenly you discover them all you discover a new maturity it's like they've gone we've got to step up here and maybe if one of the things that acts chapter i think there's one or two things that acts chapter two does or acts chapter one rather i think it forces us to step up and say we are the ones to who are to be jesus now and that's not meant idolatrously it that's simply fact and also we've got to be prepared to wait in prayer for yeah. the thing yeah the other thing that struck me as you were speaking there neil is is also although you know it is clearly a continuation of luke's gospel mm-hmm. the significant event at the end of luke's gospel is the is the cross and the resurrection mm-hmm. the, the the history changing life changing everything changing event yeah th- th- this is we're, we're living in the in the shadow of this here aren't we yeah yeah and 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 that then gets carried, and yes, it's, it has a completely different theme and tone to it, doesn't it? Because of the resurrection, I mean, you yeah. could you could maybe argue does the re- does the resurrection rehappen on every page and some the power of the resurrection? Mm. We know, mm. literally. Sorry, on you go. So it's, so it's like a, a, a an earthquake's um, tremors, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's interesting what they do after the ascension. Is it so they go back to the room they've been in, and then Peter decides that they need so he does use scripture this wasn't just his his whim but maybe but peter decides there needs to be another disciple or apostle because uh, judas has gone and you get i got a sense from that and we were and feeling i'm stealing some of the things you said when we were chatting before we came we started this conversation but that 
things are different, as you say, Neil. They are they are stepping up. They they want to move on. They want to continue what Jesus has been doing, but they are also still uh, looking to the way things were. You know, there needs to be twelve of us. We need to do what we did when we were following Jesus. But but when actually when the Holy Spirit arrives. There's mm-hmm. going to be hundreds and thousands mm-hmm. of people who are going to be following Jesus and knowing Jesus. I mean, no wonder they couldn't imagine what was going to happen. Uh-huh. I, and I, I would want to give credit to, to Kenny Innes. So I had a conversation with Kenny Innes recently who heads up Westminster Theological um, College in school, WTC College in Scotland. And we were talking about... Um, this chapter. So this is that he he was the person who kind of alerted me to this. I think it, it's really interesting about Matthias, isn't it, that we never hear anything else about him after this moment. And and what Kenny and I were talking about was was well actually, is is this what God has asked Peter to do? So so you're right. He uses scripture, but has he just pulled some scripture? Yeah. <laughs> is he jumping ahead? Which is what we know about Peter. Mm. Peter is the one who's always you know jumping ahead and often make, getting it wrong. It's such yeah. an interesting... I had never thought about that question. It's I a just, really I, interesting question. I, I had just about assumed, because he's quoted scripture, mm-hmm. this is post-resurrection Peter. So generally, in Acts, post-resurrection Peter is right most of the time, whereas in pre-resurrection Peter is wrong most of the time. So um, the exception, of course, is the argument he has with Paul in Galatians. But, um, yeah, so you kind of think, oh, I must be right. But you're right, Um it does seem like an attempt to recreate the past and almost mm-hmm, the fact mm-hmm. that all the action is going to happen now beyond mm-hmm, the 12 mm-hmm. apostles with a few, with the exception of Peter, um, kind of says, yeah, that this is an attempt to recreate the past. And it, and also the, the attempt to recreate 12 is kind of staying within Jerusalem. And this is maybe an even more controversial point. We, we talk a lot about idealizing, we're going to come to this later, the, the Jerusalem church, but actually the action even moves beyond the Jerusalem mm. church. And there yes. are some, not criticisms, but later on, there's going to be a sense that the Jerusalem church doesn't quite get what Paul is doing. Uh-huh. And I yes, wonder and if... actually Antioch becomes the kind of place yeah. where yeah, yeah. that stuff is being worked out, isn't it? And, and there, maybe there's a constant sense that the spirit is pulling us forward into a future which is different and in places that we haven't been before. And, you know, and a lot of this is speculative because Matthias and, who is it who doesn't, doesn't get picked? Bar- Barsabas. Barsabas. I know, you, re- you reread that as Barnabas wrongly, don't you? I know, it's hard, isn't it? Um, what happened but, to him? Well, but, but we don't hear about them, but they, but they were clearly good people. They were clearly people who'd been around. Yeah. So they're, you know, it's, I guess it's not wrong that they're they're given position of leadership, but it is interesting, isn't it, that what they're told to do by Jesus is wait. Yeah, yeah, I yes, I had an an interesting annoyance with it as well. That um, so it goes. There's a description of who's there in the room. Yes, in chapter one, and all the men are named. I think one of the women is named, but it's just and the women. And my first thought was. These are the women, some of whom went straight, went to the tomb and were the first witnesses of Jesus' resurrection. Mm. And Luke brilliantly describes that. And so these women were trusted by Jesus to be the ones who would go and tell the other disciples that Jesus is alive and we have to go to Galilee to meet him. And yet they choose some other guy Mm. to be the one of the 12. And they don't, and I'm not saying, I mean, you know, maybe Mary, maybe Mary wasn't the right person to become one of the 12 and, 
culturally it was it just wouldn't have been you know it wouldn't have been what you did but I wonder if it's another wee indication that they had they're still that they're still doing their own thing, but uh-huh. that's not what Jesus would have done. Uh-huh. And that's, that sounds like Jesus would have chosen Mary, but it's it doesn't feel like a continuation of what what had been happening at the mm-hmm. end of of, of Luke's gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm just checking something. I wonder in verse 14. I'm wondering if that's the last ever mention of Mary in the Bible. And there's something quite significant that Luke begins his gospel with the story of Mary yep. being at the heart of things yeah. and now begins the story of the church with Mary being at the heart of things. But I, I can't think, I don't think she she has mentioned any point after this. It's very interesting. I, I actually also think, I mean, I think it's such an interesting point there, Jen, and, and I think it's also interesting that, that Mary, the mother of Jesus, is the one who is named. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it's not Mary Magdalene. It's not you no. know. It's not Joanna or Salome or Susanna or these people. Ah, there's a different Mary. As soon as he, this is Peter, this is Acts chapter twelve. Plot spoiler. Um, as soon as he realised this, Peter, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark. I think that's a different Mary. That's John Mark's mother. Yeah. Because and we've talked about her before. We've talked about her around about the crucifixion. There's a there's a Mary in Romans sixteen. Yeah, so I think this is the last mention of Mary, the mother of Jesus. So, wow. I just feel like one of the great characters has walked off the stage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Lots to ponder in there. Lots to ponder in there. I was just thinking, imagine seeing your, your son ascending. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah, it's remarkable what she has witnessed in her life, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And presumably then, at this age, she's, she's about the same age as us, Jen, right? <laughs> but then, if you've already if you already knew you were having a baby that it yes. wasn't your husband's child, then you know you've been through quite a lot. Yes, I mean you've pondered these things. Yes, you have. You've pondered these things in your heart, haven't yeah. you? From from Indeed. right from the from, from the uh, yeah embryonic stage. Um, anything about uh, Judas, Neil? You mentioned Judas, I think, slightly earlier on. Yes, there's a real hardness towards Judas. I we, have we talked about this before that there are ancient stories of, I think there's a, a Celtic image of Saint Brendan going to rescue Judas from hell. Mm, I think we have talked about this. Yes, there's a kind of sympathy that he's caught up in a drama that he doesn't understand. There's none of this here. It's simply this man. He's not even named. This man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness. He has named earlier, but not in this verse. With the reward of his wickedness and falling headlong, he burst open in the hill on the middle and his bowels gushed out and this became known as the field of blood. There's there's a kind of sense that from the, the way that Luke's writing is he got what he deserved. That's what happens if you betray Jesus. There's no forgiveness for him there. So I, I just I just struggle with that. And I'd maybe if I'd been around and I personally had been betrayed by Judas, I'd feel that a lot more rawly than uh-huh. perhaps the benefit of, of distance and time. There's also, of course, the, the famous conundrum that in Matthew's gospel, he hangs himself and in mm-hmm. here he falls headlong. How do you reconcile those two accounts with each other? Um, famously, I think St. Jerome said that the rope had snapped and then he had fallen. But for me, that illustrates the kind of kind of special pleading extra stuff that you have to invent mm-hmm. in order to get things to harmonize. And mm-hmm. rather, I think you've just got to live with the fact that there are two very similar accounts, but but on the details, they slightly disagree. And, and we, we've just got to accept that we've got the Bible we have rather than the trying to squeeze it into the Bible we think we ought to have. Yeah. 
I don't find that particularly troubling because I, I, I mean, I find I find the descriptions troubling, but mm-hmm. I don't find the the lack of um, cohesion troubling because no. I think when in the flurry of the events that have been happening, mm-hmm. in in betrayal there is a sense of cutting off a relationship. There, well, not a sense of there is a cutting off relationship that happens with betrayal, and so you know I think rumours would be rife, wouldn't there, yeah. about what had happened to him? Yeah. Yes, and and what you're saying is this seems very true to what probably would have happened. It's like the resurrection accounts. You know, if there was, and we are saying there was, a genuine resurrection, you would expect subtly different accounts because that's what happens with truly momentous events that yes. we, we know in history. The, there are subtle differences yes. to the way that they're told. That's and there's rumour. There's yeah. rumour around, you know, oh, you heard what happened with... with um, What's the name again, Judas? Yeah. <laughs> so you're not you're not yeah. desperate to harmonise it. I'm not desperate to harmonise it. If anything, it's a, it's a bit like you know some of those disparity things. Sometimes I think it helps me have more faith in the genuine mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. genuineness of the account. Yeah, yeah. And it's as we, you said at the start, Neil. It's going to be a difficult book with numerous accounts like this. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to, and Ananias and Sapphira falling down dead. And and it's that's a heart. We'll come to that in a few weeks. But you know, they don't even tell Safira that her husband's dead. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they just say, oh, "You're going to die too," and then you get headed at one point, gets eaten by worms, and then yeah. and dies. You know, is that does it really tie in with Luke Luke's gospel, or does it? Is he quite? Is there an honesty about him? He doesn't dodge things. And is it there is an honesty? Well, we'll come. We will come back to talk about this, won't we? But is there an honesty or a or a harshness, in a sense, about the establishment of the church because it's the establishment of the church? Mm-hmm. It's the very early days of something, isn't it? Yeah, and, and it kind difficult, of difficult that. world. Uh-huh. Does it? In, in order to to break free it in the early stages, it needs a kind of sharpness to its edges. Is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah, I think that's what I'm thinking. That I mean, we, we we will come back to this undoubtedly, and and I think it speaks, Neil, to to what you said at the beginning about. Um, how the Book of Acts, you know, we, they're, they're, but you didn't say this, but I'm paraphrasing that there's a tendency to look back on the early church and see that as yeah. the model that none of us can attain mm-hmm. to. But but there's there is the harshness in that as well. Yeah, yeah, and you can you need that sometimes. You do you don't get new movements starting where everything's fluffy. The 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 counter to that, and this is why I'm looking forward to reading this, is because I know I have become too complacent about the church. Mm-hmm. I have become too settled. I have erased or reduced the supernatural. I have accepted within myself too often that certain people will become churchy and certain people will always remain outside the bounds. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward to that being challenged mm-hmm. by, to quote um, a great guy called Ian Fraser, this strange fire mm-hmm. that comes upon the church and burns. And is the energy that sends us out. Um, yeah, out, out, out. That's what I feel with Acts. Good. Well, that feels like a, quite a natural place to bring the, the conversation to a close. Jen, I know I know you wanted to talk about prayer. Did you want to mention that briefly before we... Well, I, again, that's going to be something that's going to keep appearing, isn't it? They were praying continuously. Um, but it's mentioned here, that's what they were doing and. Just what does that mean? What does it mean to pray continuously? I know many many of us will have asked that question. Uh, How how do we do that? How how are we constant? Is it being constantly aware that God is there in every moment 
of every day and just turning to him. It's not a, always a conversation, but an awareness. Mm. But they seem to be all together doing it all the time. I just, I, I would, the thought of that makes me a bit tired. Mm. <laughs> Sometimes when I think about heaven. <laughs> and we've been there 10,000 years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Never stop singing. Oh, really? <laughs> like a little seat. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. although I, I'm quite interested in exploring as we go on, you know, how much of the Jewish tradition would have been continued. So particular times of prayer during yeah. the day, mm-hmm. you know, is is there something of the continual nature of, yeah, a, of a rhythm to the day, a rhythm to the meeting, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is what we have lost in well in the kind of culture I certainly live in. You know, I remember reading a a Celtic spirituality book about you know, in days gone by in Scotland there would have been a prayer for feeding the hens and a mm. prayer for bringing in the cows and you know I mean you know we maybe that's what we need you know. Like every moment think, holy. Have you read about every moment holy? It's beautiful, different right. liturgies and things for moment, moment, moment. Each day, the things that happen each day. How how do we use them to turn to God and yes. to remind us to do that? Yes. yes. So they've just seen Jesus disappearing. So I mean, no wonder they're praying. It's like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> what's yes. going to happen next? I know. What do we do? We're fairly impressed. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But in Luke's gospel, the the verse. They returned to Jerusalem with great joy and they were continually in the temple blessing God. That that mm. covers the same time period as mm-hmm. we're talking yeah. mm-hmm. here. I mean, I guess if you've been told to wait, mm-hmm. what else do you do? Mm. Yeah. Except you probably still need to attend to your household and you need to attend to your... Well, I was going to say your jobs, but then then I got down a rabbit hole with that because they've been told to leave behind yeah. what they did. Anyway. They're still relying on Joanna to keep them... Still, yeah, exactly. Paid. She's still <laughs> dipping into the purse. Exactly. Um. Let's bring this conversation to a, a close at this point. Any takeaways as we go into anticipation of what's to come? My takeaway is your frustration. I think it, it's in both of you, if I don't mind, if you don't mind me rejecting that no women were considered for the job. <laughs> and and yet they'll, they'll be a big part of things. So I suppose getting the job isn't everything. Losing the job isn't everything. God's got bigger stuff to do. Yeah. <laughs> it's good good Jen yeah I think it's something about um not just keeping on not looking for security in the things I've always done but finding that security in the in the reality of Jesus and thankfully I live post Holy Spirit being given out to everybody so it's in it's in him that I can know that and there's something about Peter trying to make the church happen because he can do that rather than maybe waiting for mm-hmm. God to do it or finding out really what God wants you to do. It's mm. a difficult one. We love that all the time, don't we? Yeah. yeah. Doing things or, yeah. or finding out what's the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, mine would be, I guess, similar lines, but also picking up just on, on what you said about, you know, being challenged to think differently. I, I, I want to come at the text, which is quite a familiar text, uh, and discover fresh things in it. I think that would be my takeaway that already in chapter one, there are things there that I think, oh, hadn't really thought about that before mm. <laughs> so yeah that's that's certainly something i'm looking forward yeah. to well that's been very interesting now uh we're going to move on to our final section and jen it is such a delight just worth saying again it's such a delight having you back and uh, we've got a brand new section segment with its very own jingle and uh, each episode you are once again going to open up your treasure trove of knowledge and tell us about 
a piece of research or a topic that we should be keeping an eye out for, particularly if we're working in an intergenerational or a children, youth and families context. So without further ado, here is... What's the gem? Trying to keep up with reports, trends, research findings and the latest thoughts? No time to read or listen to all that valuable content? Look no further. What's the Gen will keep you up to date, in touch and on the ball. What's the Gen? Your guide to current thinking. What's the Gen? Barna have just released a new piece of research called How Teens Around the World View the Bible. I think by teens, they mean people who are aged 13 to 17. And they've done that with Biblica, World Vision and Alpha. And as it says in the title, uh, they've looked, up, looked found out from young people how they view the Bible. Now, there's lots in it. You can go to Barna's website and you can purchase it to download. Um, but the, the finding that jumped out of me, which I thought, oh my goodness, that's not very surprising, is that um, teenagers who were biblically engaged, so reading reading the bible considering the bible questioning the bible uh, seeing the bible as a way that god showed them how to live for him um were far more likely to be part of a community than those who were unengaged with the bible uh, and the more their bible engagement increased the more their community engagement increased and that was just such an encouragement for me because if you've listened to the podcast before that you'll know it's basically all ever say that we need community <laughs> in which to engage with the Bible with each other um, and to chat about it and create an honest space where we can ask difficult questions and find out what God's saying to us. And there was a wee, a wee quote um, that yeah, from the from the research that just said, "Make room for this community um, with with all ages, but particularly for the teenagers that you have in your community." Uh, I was talking to a colleague yesterday who's trying to work out what to start in their church for teenagers. And before I could say it, he said, oh, well, maybe we just need to sit down, read the Bible and have a conversation. I was like, yeah. And that's what this Barna research says as well. Mm -hmm. Community Mm -hmm. and Bible engagement go together. Interesting. That's great. And uh, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Did you say you have to buy it? You always have to pay quite a lot of money for Barna things in my experience. But I think you can buy it. You can see a summary of it. There's also the yeah I'm not sure which comes first but there is a there is also a, a YouTube film of them talking about the research that covers okay. the major findings I'm, but I'm not sure if you get that once you've done your purchasing and I think when you purchase it you do get two or three downloads so you could share it with a few people so that might split the cost yeah yeah thank you both very much um for joining us and uh, thank you listeners for joining us again don't forget you can get in touch with us let us know how you're getting on um thoughts opinions answers to the questions uh that's outspoken at scottishbiblesociety.org next time we will be discussing acts chapter two there's another link to that in the show notes here to take you to bible gateway and uh, join us then the outspoken bible is a podcast from scottish bible society to find ways you can share the bible go to scottishbiblesociety.org